This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We are so glad that you have joined us for worship. Would you please now come along with us in the call to worship as we praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the good news? God, God in Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and for the world so that we will be made right with God once and for all. Through Jesus Christ, God has given his kingdom to us where all are loved, forgiven, and redeemed. No one can be separated from God's love. We receive this good news in faith that the whole world is made new in Jesus Christ. May the good news we share transform our lives and transform the world. Please join in singing Jesus Keep me near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the
Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When in your life did you come to the realization that you had faith? Faith in God. Faith in Jesus. I want you to make a, a mental note of the time, a place, and circumstances that, that come to mind. What, what is your faith story? You might be able, wherever you are, hearing this message today, to share with those around you the story of you coming to faith. If you're here at church where we're practicing social distancing, it's a little more difficult to have a conversation right away. So you'll need to just reflect in your mind and hopefully have a chance to talk about it with family or friends after worship. There are two typical experiences I have observed in the church, how people come to faith. Put very simply, it's one of these. One is all at once. The other is gradually. My experience is somewhere in between. By all at once, I mean that you can name the day, time, and experience you were having when you moved from, I didn't believe, I didn't have faith in Jesus, and then I did. I was told I could pray, I could talk to him, I could invite him into my heart, I could ask him to forgive my sins, and he would come in. He would come in to stay, and everything would be made right between me and God. Well, that happened for me when I was in high school. I was a freshman. I heard that Jesus could be my friend forever, the best friend that I could ever have. And I was sold. That got in my heart, and I asked Jesus into my life, gave my life to him. But here's the thing. I also grew up in church, was in church every Sunday, was in Sunday school, went to vacation Bible school. I learned all the Sunday school songs. And the faith of Sunday school teachers and pastors were, were being shared with me every Sunday. Although I didn't always appreciate it at the time, I realize now the impact that it was having on me. Their faith was rubbing off on me, like, like the disciple Timothy that we read about in the New Testament, who was a follower of Jesus and, and had a close relationship with the Apostle Paul. We hear that he came to faith gradually through his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And we read in First and Second Timothy, we can conclude that his faith was nurtured by the Apostle Paul, who was like Timothy's mentor. There are those among you who, who, like me, grew up in the church, went to Sunday school. You learned all the Sunday school songs. And you really can't think of a day 
when you didn't know that Jesus loves you and you can't think of a day when you moved from the I don't believe category to the I believe category. You just have always believed and accepted it is true that Jesus is real, that Jesus is here, that Jesus is with you. Your faith has surely changed and matured with the miles and the years, but you can't really name a particular day when you came to faith. Well, that's biblical. We have examples of both in Scripture. One's not better than the other. We read about the Apostle Paul being struck down by a bright light and hearing a voice, and it seems so dramatic. We hear various preachers and Christian celebrities tell their story about living a life of sin and how faith in Jesus just turned their, turned their lives upside down, pulling them up from the pit of addiction and depression. And now they're totally different people. Praise God. That's fantastic. And that the story that you and I recall, if we're the more gradual types, is learning the song, Jesus Loves Me, in Sunday school. And that's, well, that's pretty much our faith story right there. And that's good, too. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. That's the faith that nurtured you. Not so dramatic but still good. Now I want, I want you to do something else. I want you to bring to mind a time, a moment, maybe a season in your life in which you lost your faith. You came to a point where one of these thoughts came to mind. I don't think I believe anymore. If this is who God is, then I don't believe in that God. If God allows this or causes this, then I'm done. I don't believe anymore. Well, here's what I want you to know. This is gonna sound crazy. This is going to sound nonsensical. When you come to the realization that you don't have faith or you are on the verge of losing your faith, you are at a place where your faith has a chance of coming alive, of deepening in the shadows, of becoming something more, more than easy answers, more than the blind, unquestioning trust of everything your parents and Sunday school teachers and pastors taught you. You are at a place where your faith becomes your own. 
still informed by all the things you've learned, still influenced by the people who taught you through the years. What you've learned from well-meaning believers isn't all bad, but it wasn't all good either. You have a chance to discern and separate the good from the bad, like we hear in Jesus' parables. Separating the good fish from the bad ones, separating the wheat from the weeds, separating the sheep from the goats, finding the pearl of greatest value, the, tr the buried treasure in the field. Faith emerges from losing our faith. And when there's nothing, God meets you there. God resurrects. God brings life to what's dead and gone and buried. So bring to mind a time in your life when you lost your faith. It's okay if you've been there. It's nothing we should be ashamed of. It's nothing that we should have to hide. Because what will come out of it will be a faith, a trust that is authentic to who we are now. That's all grown up with room to grow some more. Losing your faith like coming to faith can happen all at once or it can happen gradually. You may be able to name the exact day and time you lost your faith. Losing your faith can happen as a result of a, a personal or family crisis or it can happen over a long period of time reflecting and Sensing these feelings of doubt and hiding the doubts and pushing them down and finally coming to the place you realize you don't believe anymore. It all happens. And it's okay. There are those lucky ones, those blessed ones, you could say, that have faith and always have had faith and always will. And if that's where you are, praise God, you are blessed. Your constant abiding faith inspires those who know you. And it helps those who struggle, who aren't sure they believe anymore. It helps them to hang on. If you are at the, that place right now that you feel like you've lost your faith, spend time talking with one of these folks whose faith is constant. They've been through it all and they still believe. Their faith can be contagious, contagious in a good way, and can rub off on the rest of us. The scripture lesson for today says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth 
Jesus is Lord. And in your heart, you have faith that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. The letter to the Romans written by the Apostle Paul has as one of its themes what faith looks like in this new emerging religion. One of the big questions then, I think, may still be a big question now, and here it is. Can the particular be universal? In other words, how can a man that is born in a particular time, in a particular place, to a particular group of people, have anything to do with all people in all places across time? How can Jesus, a craftsman from a little town in the hills of Galilee, who switched careers at about age 30 and became a Jewish rabbi, how can he be seen and understood as the one in which the Jews should put their faith? How can the Jews believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Messiah that they've been waiting for for centuries? And how can this Jewish Messiah also be the Savior for the Gentiles, making all people one? How can Jesus be Lord of all? It's a leap of faith for both sides to believe that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is universal, that his death and resurrection is for everyone. Jesus is the one who brings forgiveness and hope and new life to all. Jesus is the one who heals the divide between people who believe differently and live differently. Jesus is the one who heals the divide between people and power and people who are exploited by people in power. Jesus is the one who reconciles enemies, who makes po the impossible possible, and makes it possible for enemies to become friends, and these friends to become family. This is what's at stake for Jews and Gentiles. Can they all claim that Jesus is Lord? Can they share the same faith? Obviously, Paul concluded that they can. Many Gentiles came to the same conclusion. Yes, this particular man, this particular religion, could this man could be their Lord too. Paul was concerned that many of his own people did not believe. It was a bitter pill to swallow. That the people who had invaded their country, who had humiliated them and misused them and killed many of them, could be saved. It was beyond their comprehension that the Jews' Messiah came to save everyone. And that as the Jewish people, they could share the same faith, have the same Lord as these people that they considered unclean and beyond all hope of ever being saved. It was too much for some of them to bear. 
Paul grieved for his people who had rejected Jesus. But he always held out hope that God would find a way to win them back and that all of them one day would be saved. Well, what does it mean for us today to confess with our mouths and, and that Jesus is Lord and have faith in our hearts that God raised him from the dead? It has been our practice in our church, in Grace Church, and really in Christian churches everywhere, that when a person becomes a member, when a person is baptized or confirmed, becomes a believer, that through the questions that are asked, through the statements that they respond to, that they confess before the congregation that yes, Jesus is Lord of all. This practice that we have in our church and all churches goes all the way back to this scripture in Romans, chapter 10, verse 9. Getting up in front of everybody and confessing your faith, whether it is in confirmation class at age 12 or 13 or later in life, when you come before the church to share your testimony of faith in Jesus, these events can be life-changing experiences. Here's what I know. Confessing our faith to each other is crucial. It should not begin and end with a one-time confession in front of the congregation. What Paul had in mind was the ongoing work of the church to confess and remind each other that Jesus is Lord of all. We need to continue the conversation about our faith with each other, with friends outside of church, with family, over the phone or on Facebook, wherever God directs you. We can be distracted by many other issues in our church that divide us. We can be distracted by culture and politics and all this striving to be the best at everything, to be perfect, to have perfect kids, to have a perfect life. But that's not what saves us. Our government can't save us. Our jobs can't save us. Our money can't save us. Our church can't save us. Even the Bible can't save us. Nothing else, no one else can take the place of Jesus as Lord. When we have these conversations with each other, even expressing our doubts or our lack of faith, we build each other up and we spur each other on. I hope that you will keep the conversation going. Keep confessing. Keep expressing your faith. The heart of the matter is this. When we confess our faith, and we confess when we have no faith, God shows up, and we are saved.
It's enough. It's everything. Amen. All I once held dear builds my life upon All this world reveres and wars to all All I once thought faith I have counted lost Spent and worthless now Compared to this, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, bringing is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you, and known as yours, to possess by All surpassing gift of righteousness, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no
us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you our hopes, worries, and fears as our children and young people start a new school year. We pray that you will fill their hearts with excitement and calm their worries with your love. Please go before them each day so they may learn and grow. May joy abound in their hearts, and may they be kept safe in your care. We pray for our parents and caregivers who send their precious children off to school. The joys of parenting are as abundant as the worries. Give them faith like that of a child to trust that you are bigger than any worry and the worst of fears. Almighty God, we place before you all the school administrators, teachers, staff who work there, and bus drivers. Protect them, we pray, and give them the strength to face the changes they will encounter. We give you our schools. Make them places of great discovery, adventure, and creativity, where our young people will love to learn and will learn to love. By your grace, make our schools places where everyone is respected and all are deeply valued. We give you thanks, O Lord, that you are ever ready to hear us and answer our prayers. And so we lift up to you, Steve, and thanks for successful rotator cuff surgery. And we pray your healing power to be poured out upon him day by day to strengthen him and to bring wholeness. We pray for those affected by the storm, and we give thanks for the helping hands and hearts of those moved by compassion to help. O oh Lord, may the words of our mouths, the acts of our hands, the places our feet take us, always confess our belief in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
confess that Jesus is Lord. Have faith that God raised Jesus from the dead. May the Holy Spirit confirm in you the good news that because Jesus lives, we shall be made alive to live fully now and one day to live with God in heaven forever. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you. 